Hello and good morning and welcome to Dwell on Truth. I'm your host, Brenton Powers, and on today's episode, I have four special guests from Open Air Campaigners. On a recent visit that we had, the pleasure of hosting our national field director, Brian Harmon, our personal development director, Tom Fox, our Southern California branch director, Frank Baldus, and our Northern California branch director, who you know, Daniel Bodwin. This was a fun conversation where we share an introduction to open-air campaigners about us and our calling as evangelists, about our mission, our beliefs, our vision, how to get involved, about some of the fruit that we see, and an encouragement to be faithful in the work of evangelism based on the holy writings of Scripture. Here at Dwell on Truth, we're going to stand for the truth. Christ told believers to dwell and abide. Follow my teaching, my word in your life. Be my disciples in word and in deed. Dwell on truth knowing the truth sets you free. Dwell on truth knowing that the truth sets you free. Stay tuned to the end. I'll be sharing more about how you can get involved. If you want to help make an end-of-year donation, you can go right now to oacnorcal.org give and see how you can give to support the work of preaching the gospel to the lost, equipping the found, and glorifying our Savior, Jesus Christ. We really appreciate and are grateful and thankful for your help. So thanks for tuning in to the Dwell on Truth show, and I hope that you enjoy this program, learning more about the mission, vision, and the heart behind open-air campaigners to present Christ by all means everywhere. Let's start with the mission. Open Air Campaigners is an evangelistic ministry of preaching the gospel to lost people and mobilizing the body of Christ to do the same, primarily through effective open air outreach. Welcome, everybody, to the Dwell on Truth show. We have our regular co-host, Dan Bodwin. Hello. Hey, guys. How's it going? And then to his right, we have some special guests all the way from the East Coast, starting with Tom Fox. Hello. And then Brian Harmon. Hello. To their right, we have Frank from Southern California. Hi. No OAC logo. He's like me, more casual. <laughs> I got the cross, though. Yes. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> right. All right. Well, welcome to my home studio, and I'm glad to spend the next 40 minutes shooting the breeze with you. Thank you. And uh, just to get started... Why don't we each take 30 seconds to a minute, tell us how you first heard about OAC. You were telling me your story in the car. So how did you first hear about OAC? Let's start with Tom. Yeah. Okay. I was introduced to Open Air Campaigners while I was at Washington Bible College, which started in Washington, D.C., then moved to Atlanta, Maryland. Jim Duffesey had a close relationship with one of the professors and would come to Washington Bible College every year. That picked up with other people that followed afterwards uh, throughout uh, OAC USA, people like Fred Cornis and others that were in the uh, Baltimore-Washington branch. That would also include Dave Wilson. We had an annual missions week where I would go out and do open-air campaigning sessions with them. Didn't preach, but was part of the crowd. Mm -hmm. And that's where I I learned about it. 23 years later, I 
went to Sketchboard Evangelism training in 2007 and then came on staff in 2009. Yeah. Tom was one of my Sketchboard Evangelism training teachers, as well as the following week that I spent there in Baltimore, Mm -hmm. where you live. Great church, by the way, Belcroft Bible Church. Yes. Pastor Matt's a great teacher, very encouraging to us evangelists. Yeah. So next would be Brian. How did you first hear about OAC and come on board? Um, I was eight years old, I believe. And Eric Briscoe, who was the uh, field director, national field director for the last 30 some years, I think, or something like that. But he came up to Michigan. So I'm from Michigan and he uh, visited my dad's church and took us out in the open air. And I was sitting on the mat as a little eight year old kid and looking up at him and had no idea what God had in store, obviously, much later. Uh, I actually still remember the paint message that, that he really? presented. Yes. So, wow. so that kind of comes into play because later on, you know, I'm eight years old then. Now I'm in my 30s when feeling like uh, I had some opportunities to preach at camps, things like that, high schoolers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I can remember that painting I saw 20 plus years ago, I might want to learn that technique. So mm-hmm. I went down to Boston where Eric Briscoe is the uh, branch director there still. And uh, in 2009, took the training. Third day of the training, I called my wife and said, whoa, I think that's what God wants us to do. Wow. <laughs> so I uh, didn't take any more work as I was a residential builder at that time. And uh, within a year, we were on staff. So Awesome. Thank you yeah. for that background. Mm-hmm. There's lots more stories between all of these years. But how about you, Frank? How did you first hear about OAC and when did you join? Yeah, I was uh, going to Calvary Chapel Downey as a young adult. And we went on a short-term mission trip in, I think it was 1997. And little did I know, we went to France and Avignon. We went to assist open-air campaigners. Mm-hmm. So learned how to paint and did some messages there. Again, that was 97. I was in the military at the time. So uh wound up staying in the military and not going on staff with OAC until 2011. So there was a big gap there. But yeah, I was introduced to it in France. And when did you join OAC? 2011. 2011. Yeah. And let's go to Dan next. So I actually heard about open-air campaigners through the Ministry of Ray Comfort. Some of you guys may have heard of uh, training, uh, open-air evangelism boot camp kind of that they do during the summers called the Ambassadors Academy. I attended that back in 2008, and then in 2011, when I came back as a team leader for that same training, I heard about the sketchboard training because um, a guy, Paul Adams, who's still with the ministry here, he's our evangelist at large, um, he demonstrated the sketchboard technique at a couple of these trainings, not even the one that I was with. I, I didn't even see him, but I heard about it from other people. I'm like, that sounds amazing. That sounds like a really cool um, opportunity. And so I reached out to him and invited him to come over to the West Coast so I could learn this. And we had about probably seven or eight other people. And we went through the training and I was intrigued, but it took a little while because, uh, you know, I didn't have the time to practice the techniques or the money for the equipment. But in about, a, what was it, 2013, I started to use it as my primary outreach tool. And then finally in 2015 is when I actually came on staff with yeah. OAC. Well, I first heard about open-air campaigners in 2009 when a missionary from England was working on a branch in Latvia. And I was a missionary there interested in learning how to do open-air preaching. And we met a couple of times, and he was a guest speaker at my church that I was pastoring. And I really liked that you could use art for the Lord. He wasn't an artist, but the painting brought back memories of me wanting to be an artist when I was a kid. 
but not really visualizing how I could use that to share the gospel as a missionary. And so when I met Dan in Monterey uh, about six years ago, 2018, yeah, uh, I got to see how he presents the gospel and also had good answers for questions from the skeptics that would stop and ask when he came visited us in Monterey. And I thought he would be a good guy to, to do more ministry with. So thank you, Dan, for being part of my life and saying, hey, you know, OAC is looking for more missionaries that want to preach the gospel stateside. Yeah. So I looked into it, met Tom on the phone, and Tom encouraged me to, to sign up for SET, Sketchboard Evangelism Training, and Orientation Candidate School. Correct. So for those who are new to open-air campaigners, let's zoom out back to the beginning 130 years ago is when it started. What was that like? How did that start? I know none of you were there, but what's the short story? We have it on our websites. Well, the short story is that uh, attorney E.P. Field mm -hmm. uh, had a vision for the lost. And the story goes that he would walk the beaches in Australia and just see everybody that was not in church and out in the beaches. Mm -hmm. And that burned, uh, seared his heart and his memory for, for the lost. And so got together with some prayer warriors and prayed about it. And I'm just going to advance through the years. And that Please, yeah. came through to, um, you know, he had, he had a calling on his life to preach the gospel, people to pray for him, and then started the Southwest Prayer Band, which then morphed into what would be today as called Open Air Campaigners. It'd be really interesting that when we get to eternity to just mm -hmm. see, you know, the, the effects of prayers of Envision from just a handful of people to what is now Open Air Campaigners yeah. International. For those who don't know, we are OAC USA, Open Air Campaigners United States. We're one country out of about 37 nation, uh, worldwide wow. that we are part of the Open Air Campaigners International Fellowship, which covers the globe with five zones. Yep that cover the globe and have uh, people from the different countries overseeing that. So uh, it's Open Air Campaigners International, then uh, each country that's represented there and uh, Worldwide Proclamation is part of that uh, Open Air Campaigners International, and then we are Open Air Campaigners USA. And it came to the U.S. in the 1950s? 50s. 1956. Jim yeah. Duffesey from mm -hmm. as a missionary from Australia, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. And so you can see photos, we may even put some on the screen for the video watchers, of back in the day when they used to use vans and create platforms and preach the gospel using puppets to kids, adults. Who is our target audience? We're preaching the gospel to whom, Brian? <laughs> the lost one. <laughs> I mean, probably the lost. Are you actually asking your age demographic? Like yeah, it's like some people, are Are you just ministering to the homeless? Are you, you yeah, know? No, primar I mean, primarily it's, uh, it goes all the way down to, you know, the kids club aspect of things where mm -hmm. we do that, all the way up to senior centers, you know, mm -hmm. you know all, all the way through. It is a neat tool, obviously. It's just a tool uh, that we can use in evangelism. This approach with a paint board and the visual aid, and mm -hmm. it's a non-combative way to get across some serious truth, you yeah. know. And uh, so it works as far as being helpful in all kinds of different, yeah. uh, at all kinds of different demographics. Yeah. But we do a lot of in high schools and colleges and street corners and beach fronts and jail ministries and. Yeah. Uh, all the above, yeah. yeah. But the lost, obviously, we're reaching. Just a very broad audience. Yeah. We're not just, just cherry-picking yeah. from a segment of the population. But, but in a, I mean, also, it's neat to think that we're going out to people that may never darken the door of a church. Yes. Instead of, like, handing out flyers and inviting them in, we're actually going to their turf and 
and sharing the gospel yeah. with them and bridging that gap between yeah. the church and the, the street. So if yeah. I remember correctly, Jim Duffesey was actually converted at an open air campaigners meeting himself, wasn't he? I'm not familiar with that. I believe so. Yeah, well. Huh. I think there's pictures of him in Truceless Warfare where he was a young child hearing open air campaigners. I'm not sure about the conversion, but he certainly knew about it. Yeah. On the, yeah. the picture on the beach. Yeah. 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 What is Truceless Warfare? Truceless Warfare is a, if I would call it a biography, so much as a historical book that's put together from the story of E.P. Field in 1892 up through about, I think it's in the, in the 70s, if I remember correctly. And it's the history of open air campaigners okay. and it, how the gospel came from Australia to Europe, yeah. then through two world wars, because we had uniforms that were almost looked military like mm -hmm. even our logo today. We're the mm -hmm. only one of open air campaigners international that has the original logo. Okay. And, and all the nations. So we, I just think it's, it's very biblical. Yeah. And uh, it tells a lot about the story of us. So, and then uh, into the United States. So. so, speaking of the logo, people wonder what is what are the different elements there? It's obviously, a cross. So you have the flame and the sword. Yeah, I must have to take a look at it. What, what's interesting? Open Air Campaign International took out the flame and the sword. I think, from what I've been told, that it almost seems to be somewhat offensive or military-like. Um, but but I've gotten nothing but very good response from it. As a matter of fact, we we have a, a national chain that that we buy clothing from that that Brian and I are sporting, and they have really complimented us on our on our logo. The sword is the sword of truth, okay, and mm -hmm. that is that that's what we carry. It's the it's the sword of the spirit. That is our it's the offensive tool to fight against the the wiles of the devil, to stand against the gates of hell, mm -hmm. and to proclaim the gospel. It is quite literally what the scriptures say and what this logo represents yeah. and i think that that flame really uh, represents the fact that we're we're standing at the gates of hell fighting mm -hmm. fighting for souls yeah in a in a loving compassionate truth and grace yeah. sort of way Amen. and so um i don't hide behind that you know because it, mm -hmm. it's right out of scripture right and so that's part of where where the the i don't know the exact etymology of the logo but right. that is my personal interpretation mm -hmm. and i think we can find that because that's what scripture says yeah. and having read truce's warfare i think that's part of what i've yeah. grabbed out of it okay. because it is you know campaigners what does that mean you know it's kind of moving ahead and the sword isn't offensive oh, it could be defensive but really we're mm -hmm. we are we're, we're declaring defending mm -hmm. and and dialoguing the truth yeah and so with this with the sword of the spirit that's sword of the spirit not a literal sword not we're not no. uh, converting by the sword no yeah, it, uh, being yeah. a missionary in Latvia, uh, their logo in in Europe, uh, they took the sword out of it right. and put the Bible, right. uh, open yep. Bible yep. there, exactly. just because of the connotation of mm -hmm. the Crusades over there. But right. yeah. uh, I think Americans can understand what a campaign is. It's not a political thing, but it's an active sharing of the gospel. One thing I've noticed as you're sharing here, and as we did our driving around looking for new outreach spots. So you all get a gleam in your eye, and this is, I think, why I identify with you. When we talk about we need to go out to the people that are not going to come to church. We're all part of churches. In fact, we'll talk about our core values as far as partnership and being a part of our local church. But our vision is to reach people who would never come to church. How will they hear without a preacher? Mm -hmm. So I, I see a sparkle in all of your eyes when you think about 
we get to go to people who would maybe never hear the name Jesus preached, mm -hmm. even in the States. Is that, is that true that there's people that haven't heard of Jesus, haven't heard the gospel? Seems like L literally more. talked to multiple people yeah. that have never heard Jesus's name. And that's yeah. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. In America. Yeah. yeah. And, and Frank, too, I want to bring you into the conversation. What, what excites you about being part of open air campaigners, like being able to reach people and Wow. Um, <laughs> You've been a missionary all over the world, but you're in Southern California, so hasn't everybody it's, heard there? It's just so massive. You know, we're taking part of something that's eternal, not only global, not Open Air Campaigners International, but it's it's eternal. You know, yes. it, it's taking part in, in God's kingdom. You know, it's yeah. huge. <laughs> it's, it's a, what an honor. What a privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Seeing the way we're driving around neighborhoods, looking for where would be a great place to reach people. You're looking out with that heart. I see Jesus. He saw the multitudes as sheep without a shepherd. Right. And he said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into mm -hmm. the harvest. Because the, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Man. So who else wants to talk a little bit about the urgency of why do we need open-air campaigners to exist? Why can't the church just do well, the work a, of evangelism? That's a great question, and I think the answer to that is that open-air campaigner exists to proclaim the gospel, but we're also part of those of us who are called an evangelist with open-air campaigners are fulfilling Ephesians 4.11, that God gave some uh, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we are evangelists. Some that come on staff that are really good at evangelists, but then if you're an evangelist that's called in, in the leadership role, which we are all sitting at this table, then we are called then to train, help come alongside churches, our core value number three, mm -hmm. and to partnership with pastors and teach the saints for the work of the ministry. So yeah. so that's that's a mandate from Scripture. So you're saying, why do we do that? We're, we're being obedient, yeah. you know, and God doesn't, he's not concerned with the, with the amount of fruit that we bear. That's some of it, but that's his work. That's not our work. Our work is obedience. Our work is faithfulness, yeah. regardless of whether we see the fruit or not. Yeah. And that's what God is looking for. Yeah. And faithfulness is a fruit that God is working in our lives. Yeah. And it is evidence to the world of God's love toward them, whether they receive it or not. Brian, I feel like you have something to say to add on to that. Well, that just triggered a thought. When Even when I went down to the training in 2009, I was going just to learn the paintboard technique so that I could illustrate the message maybe in a more memorable way or whatever. But one thing that struck me when I, I mean, I don't give too much of my testimony, but I mean, the drawing of God since high school to be a preacher, I didn't know what that was going to look like. But then uh, even while I was still in business, showing me that he had given me, I believe, the gift of the evangelist. And then going down to learn that technique, just to use it at the high, at the colleges, I'm sorry, at the uh, camps at that time, just the pain technique. But really quickly, as soon as we were there, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'd say by halfway through Tuesday, the second day of training, just seeing the emphasis on the local church. Mm -hmm. Not to throw stones at any particular, but I mean, sometimes maybe one of the strengths and weaknesses of, you know, the weaknesses of an evangelist might be like the church holding back or what, it was the opposite of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? The the real emphasis on partnering with the, lo the your local church, yes, but the church uh, universal in a sense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? This, so we do, uh, that really, that caught my eye very quickly. Mm -hmm. So it turned from, oh, I want to learn how to use the paintboard to this is interesting. And then we went out into what I call the lab time, which is the streets, you know, mm -hmm. lectures times and, yeah. and then the labs out in the streets and talking to people that are 
low hanging fruit. I mean, and guys, I take teams out, you know, to Boston, to Baltimore, to New York City, all over. And when we take these individuals out, these young people or even parents, the same thing. It happened a couple of weeks ago. A girl just leaned up in the van on the way back from one of the meetings. She's like, man, can we do this back at home? Like, it's just an eye-opening experience, you know? Mm -hmm. So I kind of deviated from where I was going, but the local church is so important. I mean, the church obviously is the institution that God set up. And uh, so to be able to partner with the local churches, it's a huge part of how we do what we've been called to do. Um, Yes. So anyway, that was what struck a point there, but that's good. It is good. Feel free to bounce ideas off each other too. I don't, it doesn't have to be a, where I'm feeding the questions. But yeah. If you have any, anything on your heart to share you think would be encouraging, uh, one thing we could do is talk about the values. Uh, speaking of that church participation, yeah. our third value in the list that we have at oacnorcal.org and oacusa.org, it's the main uh, website, is church participation. We value the active participation of OAC in local church evangelism. Several scriptures are listed mm-hmm. there. But I also couldn't become an open-air campaigner unless I had received recommendations and referrals right. from my home church right. pastors. And we might mention something on that, too. I mean, as far as the management team and our perspective on that is, we're a parachurch organization, obviously. Mm-hmm. And a lot of missions organizations are say we're, we send the missionaries to the foreign field or we send our, yeah, we're the umbrella organization thing. But what you were just saying, yeah. you know, Brenton, is just how important we emphasize your local relationship with your local church and yeah. being sent by your church. Yeah. And so we're not really your sending organization. You know what I mean? Kind of a deal. No lone rangers. Right. And that's so important. Well, over, it's Yeah. Biblical. Over the years. Yeah, yeah it is yeah. biblical. Yeah. And I think the reason is, I mean, I've, I've only been with open air campaigners for about eight years, but I've been doing street evangelism for 15. And, and one thing that I've seen over and over again, I'm sure you guys have too, that when you get street evangelists who won't submit to authority mm-hmm. who are those lone ranger mm-hmm. christians they so often go sideways go mm-hmm. off into heresy or at least problematic practices and it becomes a big big issue plus of course even if we are absolutely doing the best that we possibly can we can only reach so many people we can only disciple so many people in fact that's not even our primary yeah. our primary purpose it's one of the things i'm always looking for when i'm out there is I want volunteers from sound churches. So if I'm at the other end of the Bay Area, I'm not going to invite that person back to our church. We need somebody in that area, in a sound biblical church, because that's where the work is going to get done. That's where the discipling and the growth is going to happen. We need each other. We need the local church, and and frankly, they need us. Yeah, Yeah. 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 we're part of the church. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We saw that demonstrated yesterday where we were. In Capitola. Capitola. Capitola, Capitola, because there was a local pastor there out doing ministry with us in the streets Mm -hmm. with volunteers from his church. And that was just a great picture of what we're talking about here, Mm -hmm. is that we're in that partnership together. Somebody needs a ministry. Look at the church right over the hill. Here's the pastor right there. Very easy to refer people to the local church when the pastor's standing right there. I love that. Yeah. say he's a great Bible teacher. You need more of that. Get fed and and nourished in your faith. Yeah. Great. And people want to know, like, are you seeing fruit? Like you said, whether you see fruit or not. But people wonder, do you see conversions? (laughs) Do you see people making decisions, you know, however you would word it, professions of faith? (laughs) Frank, you want to speak into that? Yeah. um, 
We do, uh, of course. Uh, we always would love our numbers to be more in not only who's in our crowd, but how many professions of faith we see. But we ultimately stand on the Word of God, which promises that God's Word will go out and it won't come back without accomplishing His purposes. We know that people Amen. are in different stages of their journey. And we hope that everyone that we've spoken to one day would, uh, you know, turn from their sin and put their trust in Jesus. Um, that, I think that's God's heart, biblically. But we know each individual has their own will to choose whether or not to submit to his will or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. I think the one thing I would add to that is, and I think that's important, yes, we would like to see our numbers be higher. And we do see people come to Christ on the streets. So if people are saying, do you see fruit? People coming to faith, not every time we go out, but it does happen. People being impacted by the gospel message every time we go out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can see God working in people's in people's lives, see seeds planted, I think, just about, if not every time we hit the streets. Mm-hmm. So in, in, that case, in, in that sense, we always see fruit. And we see God glorified, even apart from that. That's what we're really out there for, is the glory of yeah. God. And it's glorified when his gospel is preached. Amen. I just mentioned this too, which is encouraging to me, but uh, with your question, I think it was two weeks ago, I was in Boston and I was talking to a 25 year old uh, Jewish young man and it was a very good lengthy, it was about an hour long conversation, but uh, I gave him my contact info and he reached out to me about a week later and uh, I reached out to him this morning and because I hadn't heard from him in about a week. And he just responded since we've been talking here, and I snuck a read on it. But uh, awesome. So, anyways, and and it's really neat to see when he con- <laughs> when he connected the Messiah to the Christ. I mean, that for him it was just uh, so. Anyway, if, uh, I can give his name. His first name is Harrison. If anybody ever thinks to pray for him, yeah. pray that God would continue to chip away on his heart and that he would uh, submit himself yeah. to. It was through his conversation life. that you had told him. That Christ is the Messiah. Oh yeah, no, I didn't and, want to tell the whole. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah. That's, that, that, that's yeah. key because oh, it is. in yeah. relationships, you know, we preach the gospel, but then the second yeah. part of that, which maybe your listeners need to know, is that well, I can't go out and I can't do an, you know, I can't be an open air preacher. You guys are, I mean, that, that that's so bold. We need volunteers to be in a crowd oh, yeah. to talk to people like that that's to just what I was in that turn <laughs> and then say, yeah. "I'm with the preacher. What do you think of that?" Mm-hmm. And then we have these conversations, and then you're able to find out and yeah. connect the dots and ask yeah. those questions. Yeah. So that's a core part of what yeah. we do. I have a short story. Last year, one of the ladies that comes and joins me at the wharf, where we just toured today, mm-hmm. uh, hands out tracts. Her brother-in-law came by, and he took a tract, and I got to encourage him and his girlfriend, who was Jehovah's Witness, uh, about salvation by grace through faith. And... Last week, I got a call that he was in the hospital, could be dying, wants to pray with me, uh, doesn't know how to pray to receive Christ. And so I came that day and reminded him of what the gospel was, and he and I said, do you believe that? And he said, yes. I said, then just pray with your mouth what you believe in your heart. And he called on Jesus as Lord and confessed his faith that Jesus died for him and rose again, and that he was turning and trusting in him for salvation. Not like works plus faith, but just... Mm-hmm faith in what Christ Christ's finished work and he had a tear in his eye of just and joy mm. and his Jehovah's Witness girlfriend was there saying she'd never seen him with such joy feliz she said mm. in Spanish joy and mm-hmm. uh, peace and he said if I live I want to walk with God the rest of my life but if not I'm, I'm going to heaven mm. to be with him Man. Man. Amen. and I and he said to me 
I would never throw away that track that you gave me. I didn't know how close and dear he held that, but he put it up at home next to a picture of his mom, and he would think about what I shared with him. And I got to be there to reap. I don't always get to reap, but you get right. to sow. Right. But it's great when you see that there you are. Someone is reaping what we're sowing, and we get to reap sometimes too. Fruit. You know, one of the things that I think it's worth worthy of mentioning as evangelists, we we get this. We know that it's God's work. We're just vessels. But there might be listeners that are struggling, saying, well, I can't share the gospel. I don't see any fruit or anything like that. We just need to be faithful yeah. and mm-hmm. proclaim God's word, whether that's sharing coffee at a at a cafe with somebody, on a telephone, whatever you're doing. But sharing Christ and sharing the gospel, okay, that that is key. But you don't have to be a open-air evangelist to to proclaim the gospel. Amen. As long as the gospel is, it goes out, God will bring the fruit. That's up to God's, the Holy Spirit's calling. Yeah. And with that, we we do the, the planting, God does the watering, and sometimes we see the fruit come in, sometimes we're just tilling the soil and just trying to work out, maybe pull some weeds with a conversation mm-hmm. here or there, you know, try to get them out of the thicket and try to lead them, lead them to Christ and, and take one step closer to Christ. I would also say, kind of what you said, Brian, earlier, that that's also fruit. Correct me if I'm wrong. When when someone joins the team, decides to go out, and now they're edified in their own life as a believer to further going on sharing the gospel oh, themselves. Yeah. And the call they're, they're empowered yeah. and equipped and encouraged to, yeah. to do it themselves. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, the call of the evangelist is that very thing. You know, so that feeds our soul when we see other believers getting confident and excited about. I mean, that just does. That's one of my favorite things. Uh, I had a girl come back from one of the teams uh, that we took out to New York City. And about the third or fourth day we were out there, she goes, I want to do this in my public high school. And uh, and I just like, oh, I just love that. It happened just a couple weeks ago, too, with the team Mm -hmm. we took to Boston. And uh, just God catches you. Sometimes it's easier for people to take those first steps, not in their area of where they live mm-hmm. and play and work. And, you know, so go, go. But then God gets a hold of them out there. Mm-hmm. And then they come back home and they don't have a sketchboard on their hip, but they can yeah. use these two. You know, they realize <laughs> it's all around me. It's everywhere present, the need. Yeah. And it does say that when Christ looked at those people coming at him, that he was moved with compassion because they were harassed like sheep uh-huh. without a shepherd. So not only are they lost, they have an enemy of their soul. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the compassion we should have um, for people. I-, I talked to a girl on the plane on my flight out here, and her name was Jessica. And she was what I would consider a lost person. She didn't hate God. She didn't know who God she was. She was so illiterate to the things of the scriptures and that, but she just was a completely lost person who was like a sponge, as we talked about uh, what God reveals in his word and about the relationship you can have with God through Jesus Christ. So anyway, I get excited about those things. That, that To go back real quick, that girl in New York City that wanted to do this in her high school, that was probably seven years ago, um, or no, it was eight years ago. But we went home, and she happens to be in my area of ministry in Michigan. And so together, we were able to start a Bible club in her high school during the lunch hours. It's still mm-hmm. going on today, and there's about 75, 80 kids that come out every Thursday yeah, or Tuesday. Yeah. So she that was her senior year. So she started something, cool. left, and got us, and just countless uh, conversations and people who come to know the Lord there. I we do keep numbers, and, and it's yeah. just neat to see. It's yeah. it's it's awesome. And so. those people that are equipped just as volunteers 
they're going to go on and share their faith when mm-hmm. we, we don't keep track of the, no. those numbers. Yeah. But yeah. we'll see in yeah. heaven one day yes. a great multitude that no one can count yeah. that have been yeah. uh, evangelized and discipled and endure yeah. till the end. I think it's more even than the people that we bring out in the teams because when we're out there on the streets, sometimes we get great responses and lots of fruitful conversations and we see people come to faith. There have been times when I've been out there preaching, handing out tracts, and it seems like all I've done the whole day is encourage believers. Mm-hmm. You know, believers who have never seen people out there actively I... sharing their faith, who are hugely encouraged and convicted when they see what we're doing and they see that it can be done in a friendly way, you know, people will say, thanks for being out here. This is great. I want to learn this. And they're motivated from okay. that. And that's an amazing thing, too. Mm-hmm. So, And those aren't people that are formally out with the group. They're just believers walking by. Mm-hmm. I've seen that more times than I can count. Mm-hmm. Cool. Is there anything from our mission, vision, or values you want to touch on? for uh, people that are just getting familiar with OAC. I love that we're sharing our hearts. So what's the specific vision here for the next few years? So the vision was, I believe that this was put together somewhere around the 2007 Mm -hmm. time frame with a group of people within Open Air Mm -hmm. Campaigners. Which I think was a was a good vision to put 25 cities by the year 2025. That's encroaching upon us quickly. Mm-hmm. And so as the management team was looking at this, we're not going to just start planting branches because that's what our vision says. We fully understand that God is going to grow this organization. And I might add, we had a conversation several times today that during COVID, we grew by three full-time staff and grew financially stronger through COVID. And we also, because I was in constant contact with our evangelists across the country, I think there was a, there was a shift in uh, softness of really authorities with us out there in the streets, seeing us continue to go because we didn't, we didn't pull back. Mm -hmm. So all that to say is that um, I think our vision was sound, but one thing that we're working on, Brian and I, is, a, is the, the feet on the streets management team. We're two-thirds of the management team. The other third keeps the engine oiled and, and going, and we want them to stay there. Cause, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's our central services, which yeah. which we can't function without. John Cutlip John, and Mike Busson. Well, John Cutlip is, is part of the management team. Yeah. Mike Busson yeah. is on staff to help support John. Uh-huh. But the management team would be John and Brian and myself. And so we're the feet in the streets, and he John's the in the engine. Mike Mike keeps putting the oil in the engine, and John keeps running the engine. But all that to say is that what we want to really focus on is strength in branches. We're not so much looking for at quantity in, from 2005 and beyond. We'll be, we'll be speaking about this at our staff retreat, but 2025 and beyond would be we're not going to try to renew it and, and try to go for quantity as much as quality. And quantity of branches, meaning you're content with there being one Northern California branch and one Southern California branch. Well, there's 13, branch. basically there's thir- 13 branches. There's 13 yeah. branches and six areas of ministry yeah. right now. Um, but what we're saying is instead of being driven by a goal, which is good, you set a goal. Mm-hmm. If you don't set a goal, you'll hit it every time, right? So, you know, yeah. <laughs> so you set a goal and that was something that God led them to uh, set up and we're, we're nearing our 2025. So what Tom is saying, moving forward, the goal is not to we got to get to 25 cities by 2025, whatever the cost. Yeah. Well, it would be a horrible idea. Um, so moving forward beyond 2025 mm-hmm. is, I think God's showing us that we want to have some depth to the to the yeah. branches and health. 
you know, multiple staff in each branch would be a good goal to have and, you know, that kind of stuff. Is this so, part yeah. of why you're here visiting us? Yeah, it is. Today. That's why I, yeah, that's yeah. why I travel around visit yeah. and stuff. Yeah. From a numbers perspective, in, in 07, were there like nine or ten branches? Oh, no. I'm, no, I think there was only four or five. I think that was even less. I have the number somewhere. Well, I mean, yeah. praise the Lord, we have seen Absolutely. growth. Oh, we, yes. oh, we have. Yeah, it was a lot of prayers been yeah. poured into yeah, this. Sure. And, and yeah, support. Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Not negating the fact that it was a good vision, yeah. and it wasn't. It was strengthened. But we might not hit 25 by 25. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we just realized that we're not, because two, twofold, as a personnel development director, we're not just going to have people come on staff that preach good. Yeah. It requires a calling of God yeah. and Amen. support from the local church, okay, mm-hmm. that, that they are called to do this because it's a unique ministry. And we're not so much concerned about bringing people on from other parts of the country. We want to bring, bring them in, have them train in a local branch, and then place them in a branch or if they're – um, worthy of being able to plan a branch yeah. and strong leader, then they can maybe at that point plan another branch. But we're looking to, in the areas of ministry, have branch directors, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And speaking of training and speaking of 2025, I don't know if we're ready to announce anything, what we're hoping to accomplish in 2025 here in California. Oh, sure. That's why Brian and I are here and with, with Frank and, and the, the South Cow and NorCal branch coming together as we're out pioneering looking to have sketchboard evangelism training sometime in the year 2025 and so the west coast so we like we like the west coast we we are working on and very close to having it in texas in 2024 so i think it's very reasonable to say 2025 it's far enough reach in planning Mm. that we can do that because we're Mm. going to go out and pioneer a kids club locally here this afternoon in minutes actually and so, um, that, that is why we're here and looking to partner with a local church, yeah. with a local branch and to be able then to, to do what both have been trained in the East Coast. And then we want to bring that, yeah. that training out locally. So just in wrapping up, we got to wrap up really soon. But as you just mentioned, we're in a few minutes going to be going out to East Salinas to put on a outreach for children, two children in a big public open space. Can you describe for people what a typical OAC outreach to kids looks like? Is it different from, some people are familiar with Child Evangelism Fellowship. What makes the OAC one kind of distinct? What we do do is, you know, we go into high-res areas or wherever. There's a bunch of kids, you know, it can be a park even. It doesn't have to be where they live and stuff. But uh, we just kind of go in and find a very visible place to set up so that there's a lot of accountability that way and all the Parents can kind of see what's going on. We set up a tarp on the fl- on the ground and set up a paint board and get the f- pretty colors on the paint board and start just inviting kids to come over. Five minutes, got a free kids club, you know, invite your friends and ask your parents, all that kind of stuff. And then we just do it like a hangman puzzle on the paint board. And I wish we had more time to talk about how that functions, but it's mm-hmm. such a teamwork thing where you can have four or five different people involved in the kids club up front and we're all handing the baton off to each other. So the verse on the, on the hangman puzzle will be one that we'll use later in the, in the message and the song we sing will kind of, you know, tie things together. Mm-hmm. And then there's an object lesson, like it's a magic trick or, you know what I mean? But this object mm-hmm. lesson that you just play one part of it. So that you're kind of pitching the ball for the message. And then mm-hmm. the message is presented with the paintboard and the kids are all on that mat. That's gonna, you know, and we just play games with it and develop there again. 
if we can bring the local church in and have that interaction, man, you're building relationships and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. then the, hopefully those parents and kids will be like, I could go to that church cause I know who's going to meet me at the door, you yeah. know? And so just so, so much good yeah. comes from, from those. Yeah. And we have a mixture of men and women. Yeah. My daughter and her friend are going to join us. It's good to have you know, different yeah. ages going out and, yeah, I got to experience this with Tom uh, in Baltimore in the inner city projects and, and some rough neighborhoods yeah. mm-hmm. where they were really open. Please teach our kids, like, yep. want to keep them out of trouble and give them the good news. Amen. Amen. Anything you want to say? I'll defer to the three guys that aren't normally here, Dan. Absolutely. But uh, Absolutely. just as far as your wishes and prayers for Dan and me here in Northern California, what you want listeners to know? I will go first and just say, keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Keep being faithful. We've had a, a glimpse of being able to see what is being done out on the streets and actually see the volunteers that come alongside. So that that really uh, it brings joy to my heart as a personnel development director to see that you're training the church uh, for the work of evangelism with the volunteers, with the lo- with a partnership local pastors coming out, mm-hmm. and to just keep proclaiming the gospel even when you don't see that visible fruit because God is looking for that faithfulness and it's been encouragement. Brian? Uh, not prepared for an answer with this one except <laughs> just from the last couple of days. I mean, yeah. so encouraged to see you guys up there in your delivery while you're preaching the gospel to lost people. I mean, you're approachable. I would say to your listeners, too, I don't know. I'm sure there's all kinds of ways they can connect with you, right? Yes. So, mm-hmm. Do that. I mean, if you're anywhere in the local area, within an hour and a half, two hours even, um, connect with Dan or Brenton and, yes. and go out. It's a very, it, it can maybe seem daunting if you've never done it before. Um, but I guarantee these guys would be willing to take you out whatever we always encourage, whatever the next step is. Yeah. You know, take that one. It might just be go out and observe. That's totally fine. They're not going to throw you in front of a paint board and make you preach, (laughs) you know. Exactly. But just to be involved in that, I would take – these guys are local. They're – take advantage of of connecting and and, – because, again, they work within their local churches, but they also just love to be a part of what God's doing in this area. So I'd encourage that. Good. So, Dan, how can people get a hold of us if people want to get involved? Um, Easiest way would be to go go to oacnorcal.org. You can send us a message through there. You know, send an email. I think our phone numbers are still on there, and and we take uh, phone calls. Um, We just would love to either chat with you over the phone or sit down over a cup of coffee or a meal and tell you a little more about what we do. If you're a pastor of a local church, we love to visit local churches and and either do training or sometimes I'll go in and just give a message of encouragement and share stories of what God has done on on the streets. And we would love to share those messages either in the church or just personally with you and your family yeah you know so so that you guys can be built up yes so you can email us at oacnorcal at gmail.com or go to our oac norcal uh, youtube channel we got to set you up with the oac socal uh website frank how can people get a hold of you frank if they're interested in southern california um through the oac usa website it has the branches listed but i will say uh you know directing the southern california branch and i think i could speak for my predecessor russ hotter we're encouraged that there's another branch in 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 california we're hoping for more obviously Mm -hmm. we got millions of people that we can potentially reach in this state and uh there's obviously a need i don't think anybody's going to argue with that (laughs) um so uh yeah I, i encourage you guys you know it keeps coming up, but I think about uh, 1 Corinthians 4.2. It's required of a steward or a minister to be faithful. 
And I think that's all what we all want to do. And I think I'll, I'd like to say to, to everyone out there that we're not perfect. We're learning this. We're, we're going in faith because we know we need to go in faith to please the Lord. So if you're out there and you're, you're thinking about it and you think, I'm just not ready, you just might be ready. You just got to go in faith mm-hmm. and, you know, go join up with, with, with another branch or, or some others that have the experience. Go in faith and please the Lord by serving yes. him with evangelism. Yeah. Amen. So I'll just end with uh, what we encourage people to do on the streets, which is turn from your sin, trust in Christ, follow him, and he will make you a fisher of men for his glory and to see the lost saved. Uh, it's just a great privilege to serve God with you gentlemen. Amen. Uh, men of integrity yeah, and, and uh, the accountability and trustworthiness of OAC USA is something that people can invest their funds into. And, and you're not paying me to say this. Uh, no. In fact, I need to raise my own support so I can keep doing this full time. <laughs> Amen. If you want to support any one of us as missionaries, you can, you can do so at oacgive.org. And uh, we really appreciate your partnership in the gospel. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. And now, in our last couple minutes before we go off the air, I believe that there are great opportunities ahead of us, but we can't do this alone. So we are very grateful for your help, for your prayers. I want to encourage you that we do need funds to continue this radio show. And if you have been blessed and you want to give back, you can go to dwellontruth.org slash give and see all the ways that you could help me. To continue this radio show, I need to raise $1,200 a month. And to remain in full-time ministry, I need to raise $3,000 a month in addition to what has been raised already for our salary and the radio show airtime. And as it's the Sunday before Giving Tuesday, you may be doing a lot of shopping for your family, yourself this weekend. Please remember and consider if you want to give a year-end donation to help us continue the work that we've started. We do need financial support, not just for airtime, but for me to do this work full-time. We're about 38% funded. Currently, God has provided for me to be with open-air campaigners for three years now, and I've been full-time about half of that time, but currently our support is a little low to be able to remain full-time. So so if you're a believer and you would like to come alongside and see what we do, or if you've seen what we have been doing and want to support so we can do more, you will be rewarded with an abundance of joy and blessings with eternal friends that have been won through your investment as we do see fruit from our labors and we will see more once we get to heaven now if you're not a christian we don't need your money god is able to provide but he does so through believers who believe that this is a cause worth investing in lives are at stake for all of eternity and we have a message that saves we believe as it says in romans 1 the gospel is the power of god for salvation to anyone who believes jew or gentile And it's our responsibility, our obligation to preach to both Jews and Greeks, Paul said in the Greek-speaking world. Here we are in the English-speaking world, and God's called us to use the technology and the tools that he's given us, and also the funds that are given to us to be faithful stewards to provide for the lost to get access to the gospel. One plants, one waters, but God makes it grow. So glory to God. 
And let me just close with a few ways that you can help. Number one, come with us in the open air for training. You can get trained by us personally and potentially sign up for a whole week long of sketchboard evangelism training in 2025. We're preparing the ground for that now. Come alongside with us. I'm going to be at Capitola Beach this Sunday today. If you're listening on Sunday morning live on KSEO, I will be on the promenade right next to the opening of the beach corner of the parking lot from 2 to 4.30. Come on out with us in the open air. Number two, you can share our ministry with your church, friends, and family. I'd be happy to send you extra copies of our newsletter that you could share, our business card, which has just our websites and the gospel on two sides. So share what we do on Facebook, if you have Instagram, YouTube, other social media. We're wanting to develop more video content for the next generation, not just the next generation, but all generations on YouTube, turning this radio show into a weekly YouTube show. You can already see a couple of episodes if you search on YouTube for Dwell on Truth Podcast. Number three, besides coming alongside us and sharing our ministry with your friends, family, and church, you can give financially to provide the resources and support our ministry requires. As a missionary, I'm responsible to raise my family's support for salary, which is 50% of where the money goes, payroll, taxes, and fees that OAC collects to handle all the donations and stay on the good side of the government, and EFCA, the Evangelical Financial Council and Accountability organization that certifies we're a good organization financially, how it's handled. And also they treat us to things like staff conferences. I went to the Bible Museum with my wife and with 30 other open-air campaigners this year. And the year before, they flew our family out to see the Creation Museum, Ark Encounter, and have a family conference with other open-air campaigners' families in the USA. So that's where 20% of your funds go, 8% for taxes and 12% for those central services that they provide for us missionaries. And then the other 30%, which has not fully been raised, is our ministry expenses. That includes things like travel expenses, gas, mileage, reimbursements, meals while we're traveling and working with teams and take them out. I like to treat the high school youth that join us on the streets in Monterey to a smoothie or Subway sandwich and those types of gifts and paying my adult son and daughter to help with audio video production or outreaches outside of our home area to go with me. So that's where our ministry expenses should go. And I've been working part-time to make up for the deficit there. But if you would like to help, know that it would go to help fund the ministry producing tracts, buying more Bibles, New Testaments, Gospels of John, Gospel tracts from Living Waters, Tract Planet, Moments with the Book, etc. If you want to help make an end-of-year donation, you can go right now to oacnorcal.org give and see how you can give to support the work of preaching the gospel to the lost, equipping the found, and glorifying our Savior, Jesus Christ. We really appreciate and are grateful and thankful for your help. So that's the third way you can help, is financially give to provide the resources and support our ministry requires to fulfill its mission of presenting Christ by all means everywhere. 
Fourthly, if you're still listening, you may be interested to join our staff for a short, medium, or even long-term experience. I've been with OAC for more than three years now. Initially joined as a volunteer and then became an intern and started raising support so I could be funded. And there's some missionaries that have been with OAC for decades. If you believe God is calling you to this work, take those first steps of making contact, talking to Tom, who you've already heard from today on the show, and pray about joining our staff for a certain period of time, however God may call. Finally, last but not least, the fifth way you can help is to pray regularly for the ministry. My grandmother used to pray for us every day before she passed. I've had other people tell me they're praying for us daily or weekly or monthly or whenever the Lord puts us on their hearts or whenever they get a newsletter from us or see us in person or a post on Facebook. We need prayer. Why? Because God is on the throne And we can't do this without his help. And he tells us to pray. When he sees the harvest, he says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers because the harvest is great, the laborers are few, and he sees people as lost sheep, weary and scattered without a shepherd. So we can be sent as a result of your prayers. Those funds can be raised as a result of your prayers. More laborers can be equipped as a result of your prayers. And the word can be spread as a result of your prayers. So would you pray for us? We don't want to take for granted that we can continue doing this without asking. And in fact, right now, there's a great need for your help, for more people to help, and for those who are helping to do more. We're willing to do more, but we do need more help to do more. Lastly, I'd say if you're not a Christian, and this is your first time listening, normally we don't ask for financial help on this show. For years I've been on the air, and I really try to avoid it, but I figured I should let you know before we might have to go off the air due to insufficient funds. So if you happen to own a business, and you are a believer, and you've been listening to the show, and you want it to reach more people, more on this station, KSEO, or you want to help us specifically to produce more videos, I'm wanting to hire my adult son who has video editing skills and has edited a little bit already for me, you can actually call me to inquire about a sponsorship. If you have a business you would like to be promoted on the air, call me and let's see if we can create an ad that would air 10 times a week. And for the cost of $300 a week, you can help OAC stay on the air through the Dwell on Truth radio show. So that's it. Thank you so much, and I hope you had a very happy Thanksgiving. So if you want to give back, now is a great time to be stirred to action. You can make an eternal difference. We would love to partner with you. So if you have any questions, feel free to call me. Leave a voicemail because I may have to screen the call. But the phone number is 831-594-2633. Let me know if and how you are interested in partnering with us. And until next time, Lord willing, we'll be on the air next Sunday morning at 8 a.m. KSCO. If not, subscribe to the Dwell in Truth podcast so you can get our next update to help you to dwell on truth. May God richly bless you as you continue to dwell on truth.